Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, yeah, so we're in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless the righteous surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the, of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. But I tell you, do not swear by an oath at all, but um, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it, is the sake of the great, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one of your hair white or black. All you need is to say simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Amen. Yeah, God, uh, let's just pray. God, we thank you for this time to come together. And we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you speak through this word. And we pray for Dustin as he speaks now. God, would you speak through him to us? Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much, Isaac, for reading that. Yeah, so really fun text today. Murder, adultery, divorce, and oaths uh, should be fun. And so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, want to welcome you. Uh, it will be good news by the end. So stick around. It is 
good. This is Jesus's words. We started the Sermon on the Mount last week, and Steve uh, set it up really well. What happened is Jesus uh, was out, and he is God in the flesh. He'd come to earth, and he had been preaching the kingdom, the good news about the kingdom of God, and he had been inviting everybody to repent and come into the kingdom, to turn from their ways and come into the kingdom. And uh, what happened was Jesus starts getting some critique and some criticisms from some of the religious leaders of that time. And, uh, and they're coming in and they're saying that Jesus is not serious enough about the law. And he'd been preaching the kingdom and grace that everyone is welcome through uh, God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. And the religious leaders who were good at keeping the rules, they didn't like that message, as you can imagine. And so, uh, and so they start saying, Jesus, you're just not, you're not really passionate enough about the law. You don't really, and Jesus is actually going to say to them, no, you're, you're actually not passionate enough about the law. And he's going to get into that today. And so um, this is what is happening in the text. Now, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is supposed to be, and if you were in that time, the Israeli mind or the, the Hebrew mind would have thought back to a time in the scriptures in Exodus when another man went up on a mountain and got the commands that were given to the children of Israel. The Ten Commandments in Exodus 19 and 20 delivered by Moses. And so Jesus here is giving us the commands of the kingdom of God and what they look like. And what Jesus is going to do uh, is he's going to take some of the false interpretations that had come about uh, that religious leaders had brought about. Because, see, in the Old Testament, there was around 600 commands given by God. And then the religious leaders of the time, they started saying, well, we don't know exactly what that means. So let's go ahead. And they started creating all these different rules and start piling up ways to keep those different commands. And what it ended up doing is separating everyone from God. And, and so Jesus here, he's actually going to come in and say, let me tell you the heart behind the law that was given. And then let me help you to understand what it looks like to live this in a kingdom way. He's going to ratchet it up, actually. And so uh, it's, it's a great text. So Matthew 5, verse 17. Jesus starts off, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so Jesus starts off here and he says, look, uh, there are some traditions that say that the Old Testament, we don't need to worry about that, that it's we're Christians now. We live with a new kingdom. We live in the New Testament. Anything before Matthew, see the law and the prophets would have reflected back to Moses and the prophets who wrote the, the Old Testament. And Jesus said, I didn't come here to get rid of the Old Testament. In fact, uh, he says, I came here to fulfill the Old Testament. And when you look up that word in the Greek, fulfill, it's actually a picture word of a, a pitcher being filled up. Jesus said, I came to fill up the Old Testament. And what's crazy about the Old Testament is that Christ is there from the beginning all the way through the text. In fact, there's a verse in Luke where Jesus starts uh, explaining himself to these, these guys that he's walking with after his, uh, his death and resurrection, and they don't know it's him. And it says that Jesus began to explain himself, starting from Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible, all the way through the Old Testament. And, uh, and the scriptures tell us that their heart was burning, uh, that their hearts were lit on fire in a good way, not in a bad way, because they, they were like so excited to hear and see Jesus in the Old Testament. He's all through the Old Testament. So he says, look, don't think that I've come to get rid of it. I actually fill it up. And when you understand me, you will understand more the Old Testament. 
And so if you've come from a background that's like, don't worry about that, that's a different, no, it's, it's actually relevant, very relevant for us as Christians today. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Uh, the only way I can think about this is the fada in the, the uh, Irish language. And so if you've been in Ireland for any amount of time, uh, you talk to somebody who speaks the Irish language, they're very passionate about their fada. Have you, have you guys noticed this? It's like that little mark that is above. I've been in conversations about Irish language before, and the Irish person will say, well, where was the fada located? And I'm like, I, I don't even know what the fada is. Where's the mutta? And I don't know. And so uh, maybe uh, it's it's that maybe you've been through that. But Jesus here is saying, look, in the Hebrew language, not one, not in the Hebrew, not one thing is going to be left out from the law. He's just elevating the fact that this, the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, they're all still very relevant. Verse 19 says, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the Pharisees and the, uh, the teachers of the law, these guys they were like, there's two kinds of people, I think, and maybe there's more, but there's the people that are really good at keeping rules. And then there's the people more like me who are terrible at keeping the rules. Like I hear the rules and I want to rebel. And, um, and so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they would have fit in that first category. They were great at keeping the rules, at least outwardly. And what Jesus is going to do here is he's actually going to go into some of these laws and reveal that outward adherence to the commands is not what God requires. He requires so much more. And so he's going to start with the sixth commandment of the 10, murder. And, uh, and so this is kind of interesting because uh, most of us probably in the Zoom room have never murdered anybody. And, uh, but Jesus is going to start with murder because he wants to show us the, the law and how it ratchets up. Now, before I get into murder and adultery, that's the only two we're going to cover today. So if you've been worried about the other ones, We'll get to those some other time in your city group if you have time to do it there. But I need to talk to you about the law of God. There are three uses for the law of God. The first use is a stop sign. A law is good for all. So uh, the law of do not murder, it's a great it's a great commandment. Do not murder is a great commandment for societies to flourish, for, for all to flourish. Do not uh, commit adultery is a great command for all of society. It's it, Do not lie is a great command for us and for all society. And so uh, the first use of the law is a stop sign that reveals, it's, it's God's common grace to the world that it reveals uh, where the boundaries are. And I'm grateful for that. And it's a good thing. So sometimes we think the laws and the commands are bad. They're there for our protection, just like a stop sign. Even the most hardened criminals won't just rush through a stoplight or a stop sign because they know they could end up dead. And so it works and acts, first use of the law, as, uh, as a way that informs uh, the boundaries for us, for our good and for the good of society. The second use of the law is a mere and an arrow. Now, uh, it shows us our flaws and it points us towards Jesus. A mirror shows us our flaws. Now, what we like to do usually is we like to take the mirror and we like to like walk around and hold it up to other people's faces. 
Uh, but that's not, I mean, there's, there's a spot for that maybe, but the primary use of the law is for us to look in the mirror and to see that we don't meet the standard that God requires, that we are guilty when it comes to the law, that we are broken and we have broken God's commands. Um, but it isn't supposed to just leave us condemned there. In fact, that's not the purpose of it. The law is then supposed to act as an arrow that points us to the only one who ever was able to fulfill and keep all all of the commands of the law, and that's Jesus, the Son of God. He lived the perfect life, lived perfectly under the law, fulfilled all the requirements of the law. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it, and he did. And so the mirror acts as a, it just shows us the reality, and it's not to make, God isn't trying to make you feel bad or to, uh, he's just trying to go, look, this is the state you're in, and I've got a solution for you. I know where you're at and I've got the solution. And so uh, the Bible would actually say in another place that the law is a schoolmaster to get us to Christ. And so some people, they think the law, uh, you know, you're just, you just are supposed to earn your salvation and your righteousness through keeping the law. And you can't. That's the sad thing. And, you know, we'll look at this in a minute, but probably right now you're going, well, I've never murdered anybody. I'm pretty good. And, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. It gets really interesting in a minute. Uh, but it works as a, as a mirror and an arrow. The third use of the law is a map. Oh, yeah, let me give you this. So um, when we come to Christ, and this will set up the next point, when we come to Christ, it acts as a mirror and an arrow that points us to Christ. But then when we believe in Christ, the scriptures tell us this. They say, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And uh, what that's saying is that we have hearts that are hardened because of sin, because of the power of sin in our life, because of things that we've done and things done to us uh, that are sinful. But God says, I'm going to take that heart of stone out and I'm going to give you a beating heart, a soft heart, a heart that's made right. And he says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so God says this, the third use of the law is a map. And for us who have chosen to follow Christ, we now can look at the laws and we'll see Jesus ratchet up the laws to even greater heights as we go through this text. But it shows us how to live out kingdom principles. And not just that, but as followers of Christ, Jesus lived out this aspect, the ratcheted up version of the law. And as we follow him, we too will begin to resemble Jesus. Christian means little Christ's. It literally means people that look like Jesus. And the way that we'll begin to look like Jesus is the Holy Spirit will work in us and begin to work these things out. And, and, we, and we'll do it imperfectly and we'll, we'll strive. And if you're a Christian, you know this. Yeah, uh, you know this. It's your daily walk. It's my daily walk. And so three uses of the law. Stop sign, a mirror and an arrow, and a map. Now we're going to read through murder and adultery, and you're going to see those three things come out in the text, all right? Um, now, the way things work for me as I prep for a sermon uh, a lot of times is God will begin to work the sermon out in my life or reveal to me more about myself. So uh, Monday night, uh, I get on a call, a, a work call, and it was, it was just 20 minutes long, but it was about something that I'd been working on. And, uh, and I left that call 
And I was so frustrated by the response that the, the people that were on the call had to this thing I'd been working on. And I was so angry that um, I went downstairs and I just began to rant for about an hour uh, to my wife about all this frustration. And I'm not sure exactly what was at the core of all that, but I can tell you this, I was angry enough to cuss out somebody and if they had been around, maybe fight them. And I, I did that and then uh, I got in bed that night and when everything had kind of settled down, I kind of went through waves of rage and emotion. I got in bed, I'm laying there, it's quiet in my house, it's dark. And suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to convict me of all the of everything that I just done. And he goes, uh, you're preaching on this this week, huh? I was like, yes. And he began to um, bring me back to the realization that I blow it, but God's grace is enough for me. And that my salvation is not based on how well I keep the laws, but God has made a way through Christ. And he called me to repent of that in a good way. Like not, not like repent anger, but joyfully go, oh God, help me to be better, please. I don't want to be like this. I don't know where this comes from. I need you to change me. And that is exactly what we experience as kingdom people. So let's look at murder. It says this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. This is the first use of the law. The law is good for all. Do not murder. It's on the next slide, I think, Connor. But um, do not murder. We uh, this is good for society. And then he goes on. He's going to give us the second use of law. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Raka is like a, a word of contempt in the Arabic. And then he says, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hell fire. And your fool is the, the Greek word moros, where we get the word moron from. Uh, and I, I just, I mean, just do you feel this? Whoever's angry, whoever calls somebody names, whoever feels contempt in their heart, they will be as murderers, according to the law. And who hasn't done that? Who hasn't been angry? Who hasn't been angry this week at government officials and unclarity or angry with somebody at work or angry at somebody in our homes, this kind of anger who hasn't experienced contempt and, um, and this kind of calling people morons, calling them names. You see the Bible here, Jesus is ratcheting up the law and what he's getting at is this. If you think that you're good enough because you've never actually murdered somebody, Jesus says, look, the law requires so much more than what you've been saying religious leaders, it actually requires that you're not even angry in your heart. So he ratcheted it up. And so it's a mirror. And suddenly we go, "Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. And that's right. We are. And it reveals to us where we're at. And then it acts as an arrow that points us to Christ whose righteousness lived out uh, on earth is given to us at the cross. And the penalty we deserve for breaking the law is put upon Jesus at the cross, he pays the penalty, gives us his holiness, his righteousness. We're made right with God because of Christ and his sacrifice. You see that the second use of the law, a mirror and an arrow. And then the third use of the law, look at this, a map for kingdom living. It says this, uh, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The third use of the law, a map. 
You see, God's heart isn't just that we don't murder. It isn't just that we are angry. It's actually God's heart for the world, for the nations, is reconciliation. That we would actually uh, be in unity with one another and love one another deeply because of his great love for us. That's really God's heart. And so when we see this third use of the law, it acts as a map that goes, you know what? even deeper, the deepest levels, and we begin to pray and ask God that his spirit would move in us so we might be people of reconciliation as much as is within us, the scriptures say. And we'd be people of peace. And, and we strive for that, even though uh, we know the Bible even says, as much as it's uh, possible with you, be reconciled to everyone, to have peace with everyone. And so we know that it's not all dependent on us, that reconciliation is a two-way street. But Jesus here is saying, it is God's heart that we would live that. And so you see the three uses of the law. The stop sign, do not murder. A mirror and an arrow points us to Christ. Don't be angry because if you have, you're the same as a murderer. You deserve the same penalty. You deserve hell. And we see the third use that it acts as a map that shows us how to live and follow after Christ, a kingdom living, a new law. All right, and the next section, let's go uh, verse 27. Adultery. You know, he starts with murder because I think, why didn't he start with lying or something? could have, he goes into lying a little bit later. He starts with the sixth commandment. I think murder is one of those things that we're like, you know what? Pretty good. And we have this kind of self-righteousness. And here's what I want you to get before the end of this text. The gospel is for failures. The gospel's for failures. We have no righteousness that we bring into the equation. We have nothing to offer. The only thing we have is God's grace given to us. The first, um, the first blessed that we read last week, blessed are the poor in spirit. It literally means bankrupt in spirit. When we realize that we're spiritually bankrupt, that apart from God, we have no righteousness of our own, that God is the only one who could give us righteousness because of what he's done. It sets us free and drives us to Christ. And that's what this text will do too. I mean, going into adultery. And by the way, the word adultery here in the Greek, uh, it, it means, it doesn't mean just sleeping with uh, somebody married, but it actually means if you've had sex with anybody outside of marriage, anybody at all outside of marriage, then you've committed adultery. And here's what he says. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. First use of the law. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Second use of the law, a mirror. Oh, man. If you've ever looked at somebody else to lust, at them, lust after them, you're the same as an adulterer. And we want to argue here and we'll say, look, the action is not the same as the thoughts. In fact, we live in a society that says, look, you can look, just don't touch. But, and, and the reality is this, if you act on it, uh, that is worse, but not according to the law. You see, the law doesn't have a scale. You're either in or you're out. You've done it or you haven't done it. And the law says this, if you've looked at a person to lust after them in your heart, you've already committed adultery. You're the same as an adulterer and you deserve the penalty of an adulterer. And then the third use of law, he ratchets it up. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away from you. And for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, um, throughout church history, there have been some that have read this and have read it literally and literally cut off body parts and things. Uh, I, 
this is hyperbole uh, or else all of us would be blind, handless people uh, both inside and outside the church. Um, Jesus here, what he's saying to us, he's using hyperbole. And I heard somebody one time preach this and they said, even a blind, handless man can lust after somebody. Just true. Mental, it's inside. Jesus getting to the heart. But what he's saying to us is this. This is serious. And as kingdom people, we need to treat this with such seriousness that we will cut things out of our lives. We will get rid of things in order to stay faithful to living out God's kingdom life in the world. And, and so he ratchets it up. You can see the third use of a law map that points us to how to live out kingdom principle. Be serious about cutting out lust out of your life and the sin that's in your life there. He goes on with divorce and O's. He does the same thing. Uh, if you're in a city group, you're, you're going to get into this this week, and you can actually take those three things and use them. If you're not in a city group, um, do log in and join one. And if you're not comfortable with that yet, that's okay. Uh, but you can read this for yourself, and you can go through this and go through the three uses of the law. Now, what do we do with this? Uh, yeah, I showed up today, and now Dustin's told me that I'm a, a murdering adulterer at heart, and I could go uh, even more here. But uh, why does the scripture do this? Is it to make you feel bad and condemn you? No, it is an arrow to point us to Christ. You see, we're broken. We come to the cross with nothing to offer. Our righteousness is not, it's nothing. We have nothing. We have no righteousness to offer. But Jesus Christ comes and he lives the perfect life for us. And he goes to the cross and he bears the penalty that we deserve so that we might be a kingdom people when we believe in him, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells us and it begins to move in us to live a new life. See, the gospel is for failures. The gospel, the good news that Jesus gives us his righteousness, takes our penalty, is for failures. That's good news for us because we're failures. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't believe you. I'm not really a failure. The, the truth is the gospel is not yet for you. If, if you think that you have a righteousness of your own, the gospel's not yet for you. But if you will declare bankruptcy, I have nothing apart from you, God. I, bring no, I have, have no good that I bring only you. Then God will forgive you. He'll give you such grace. You'll find freedom. You'll find life. Failures become victors in Christ. And when we live out that victory, it becomes beautiful. We could be a people that live victorious lives because of Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. So there's a new law given to us in the kingdom. And this law, it ratchets up and it redeems. And I got to tell you this, the law never was and you never will attain salvation by the law. It's only through the grace of Christ and recognizing our failure before this holy God. So if you're here today, I, I want to invite you. Maybe you've never thought about this. Maybe you've never repented of your sins. Repent means to just uh, to confess that, that they are broken, that you're broken, that you can't do anything apart from God and to turn towards him. And I want to invite you to do that today. And maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you know all too well the struggle. It's, it's called the process of sanctification, the scripture calls it. It's, a, it's the process of becoming more like Christ. It takes time and years. Uh, and we are striving every day to be more like Christ, to live out a life that loves God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loves our neighbors as ourselves. 
And I just want to encourage you. You, you, you don't have to feel guilty. You just have to turn to Jesus when you mess up, because we mess up. And you're a free person in Christ. That's our text today. Let me pray. Father, I love you. God, this text is heavy in some regards, and then it frees us, Father. The gospel frees us in Christ, and um, we get to live lives that are full, not based on our own righteousness, but based on Christ's righteousness. We're saved because of your grace. We love you, Father, for that. God, I pray as we sing this next song about amazing grace, that we would let that just flow over us and that our souls might respond to this text. Thank you so much, Jesus, for how you lived and that we as Christians uh, become empowered, get new hearts when we believe the heart of stone taken out, the Holy Spirit put in us to live kingdom lives. We love you and we praise you and we exalt you. There we said, amen.